Well, good morning. You know, I tell you what, I, the, the UP, I, I think we are, we, we got it made, okay? We appreciate things in a way. If you lived in Atlanta, Georgia, would you appreciate the sunshine? I don't think you really would. Would you appreciate 60 degree temperatures? I don't think you really would. But I will say this, that it's always easy to tell when we get the first nice Saturday of springtime. Because you guys come in and you are overdosed on vitamin D and you're just, you're just kind of just sort of laying there. You, uh, so we got we to wake up this morning and we're going to have a good time as we start this new series. And our series is called Honor Bound. Um, I, I, you know, that, that phrase has been used a number of times. Um, I'm not going to preach a series on the best-selling uh, uh, book series of, of World War II events by Webb Griffin. I'm not going to do that. Um, but we are going to talk about uh, honor throughout the month and, and really determining what it means. And uh, in, in many cultures, the idea of honor is something that you must defend at all costs. And honor is something that belongs to you in those cultures. And when it is offended, you must step up and defend your honor. That's one, that's one definition of that word. But I want to go a different direction uh, in this series and, and really acknowledge that honor is something that we willingly give to another. I, I put out a, a question this week on social media and, uh, and, and even personally, just in some of my own conversations, and ask the question, what does it mean to you to honor God? And I got lots of opinions, and throughout my message, I'm going to share a few of those with you. Uh, one I found that was interesting, um, somebody answered it in the form of question, a question, and they said, well, is honoring God really when, when we honor ourselves? And, and uh, I thought that was an interesting response. I, I didn't fully understand where they were coming from. Um, someone else responded to me and said, it's, it's when we make the best of, of our own strengths. Uh, another person said, it's when you respect yourself. Someone else said it's believing and doing right versus doing wrong. And someone else was on a totally different page, and they thought that it's being in Jesus' groove, okay? Whatever that means, I'm not really sure. Uh, but today, we're going to talk about honoring God. And, and I think that there are some important things that God's Word has to share with us about honoring God. And so let's jump into those. And I want to start... And, and really, to me, this is, the, this is the foundation of the entire conversation, and it's simply this, that God is worthy of honor. It all starts there. Um, and so let's just dig right in there. I, I love commercials, okay? I've told you this before. I will tell it to you again. You know, uh, commercials are, I don't know what it is about them, but they're entertaining to me, and I, I frequently remember them, and, and, and I, there are things that really jump out at me, and, and there is a, a, a really a tactic that advertisers are using, and I don't know if you've picked up on it, and if you haven't, maybe this will be new for you, but some of you will, will really recognize this, and they, they say when they're advertising their particular product, they will say, after all, you deserve it. Have you heard that before? 
you deserve it. A, a, a new house, hey, you deserve it. A new car, you deserve it. A new bathtub with jets in it, you deserve it. And so that's, that's one of the ways that they, they try to advertise those things because they think if they can get you thinking about deserving it, that you'll buy it. Well, why do they, why do they try to, to, uh, to talk that way? Well, when we say that, that God is worthy of honor, what we really mean is that he deserves it. That's what we're really getting after here. And you say, well, why does God deserve honor? Well, when we honor people, and, and we do, we, we rightly honor people. Next Sunday, we are going to honor moms. Amen? Amen? Right? That's a good thing, isn't it? I don't know about you, but honoring moms. I, man, I was blessed with a wonderful mom. I love to honor her. Now I honor her memory rather than her presence, but I, I love to honor my mom. Um, at the end of the month, Memorial Day weekend, we're going to honor those that have served and given their life in defense of this country and our freedoms, right? We honor them. When we think about honoring people, we do so based on what they have done for us. Are you with me? When we honor people, it's what they've done for us. But I'm going to ask us to really kind of look deeper today than just what God has done, but we will talk about that. So, so let's, let's just, okay, let's establish what, what has God done for us that would cause us to say that he deserves honor. Well, in Paul's first letter to Timothy, he alludes to himself, and I love this about the Apostle Paul, he alludes to himself as the world's worst sinner. Now that is a, that is a nickname, that's a moniker that I do not ever wish to have, okay? But there are some people who really go with that. They, they like that idea. Man, I am the worst. I don't think it was a, a bragging point. I think Paul was just being realistic. He was just saying, listen, before I came to know Jesus as my Savior, I was out there. I was arresting Christians. I was having them beat. I was responsible for many of them losing their lives. I was responsible for putting them in prison. I tried to get them to recant their faith, Paul said, I was the worst. I was literally the worst, the world's worst sinner. And so if Jesus was willing to extend Paul grace and mercy, who was the worst sinner, it confirms that all who believe that Jesus has come into the world, that, that we, we know he's come to save sinners. If Jesus has saved the worst, we can say, I know that Jesus came into the world to save the lost, to save sinners. And I know that God loves the world so much that he gave his only son, Jesus, that I might have eternal life. Man, that is, a, that is something that should cause us to honor him. The realization that his grace uh, extended to even the worst of humanity, it literally causes Paul in 1 Timothy to break out into worship. Just the realization of what God has done. 1 Timothy 1.17, I want to read it for you. He says, Now to the king eternal 
immortal, invisible, the only God, be what? Honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's unpack this verse just a little bit here. The literal interpretation of the phrase king eternal, it means king of the ages. It means that the dominion of his kingdom extends over all ages and all generations. Now, I did a little bit of of, of research this week just to to try to get an idea of a comparison. And, And I thought, okay, what are we really talking about? When we talk about a king or a queen that's, that's ruling, how long are we really talking about? And in Britain, Queen Elizabeth II, she is currently the longest reigning monarch in the world. She has been on the throne for 65 years. Now, that's a long time to rule, right? I, 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 we got to admit that. She's not the longest. The longest was... King Louis XIV of France, he reigned for 72 years, 110 days. That's a lot of time. But all of these other kings, all of these other rulers have one thing in common, and that is that their rule is temporary. They could be overthrown, they could die. They could be exiled. There's all sorts of things that can cause their rule, their reign to come to an end. But God's reign continues through all ages. God just doesn't have one little period of time where he is the king eternal. He reigns over all ages. It says that he's immortal. It means literally he does not die. The writer of Hebrews tells us that it's appointed for man once to die. We talk about uh, the scripture that says from dust we were made and to dust we will return. And when, when I do a funeral, we talk about dust to dust, ashes to ashes. We realize that our bodies do not last forever. We are not eternal. We are mortal. The scripture refers to Jesus as being the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the alpha. He's the omega. He's the first, the last, the beginning, and the end. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 8, Jesus says, I am the alpha and the omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. He's eternal. He's immortal. He does not die. Let's think, just try to get, just even, let's let's zoom out a little bit and talk about uh, our, our country, okay? The United States of America. We are currently 243 years old as a nation, and we are on our 45th president. Okay, now we have, we have uh, term limits, you know, so a president can serve two terms, all right? So they can serve eight years. So we don't have the ability to have someone rule but if, that long, but if we go and look at the, 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 just how many years we've been a nation, 245 or 43, just think of that. That's, that seems like a long time until you start comparing it to other countries and empires, The Roman Empire was approximately, depending on how you want to gauge it, they were were 500, approximately 500 years old, and they had 71 different emperors who reigned. 
Those, the, our country, as great as our country is, uh, there's, there's no guarantee that our country will last in perpetuity. The, the Roman Empire, they said, was the greatest empire that ever existed, and it came to an end. But when we think about God and who he is, he is immortal. In Peter's second letter, chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, he says that with the Lord... A day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. Think about that. Think about that. Next time, time is crawling for you. And you say, man, I wish time would hurry up. You know, and, and we know that kids are like that, right? Kids, are they just want to get through whatever grade they're in. They want to get to that next great thing in their life. You know, They want to be able to graduate from high school, and then they want to be able to graduate from college. So they're always hurrying their life along. Then when we get a little older, what do we want to do? Slow it down. Just slow your roll here. Okay, slow your roll. I, I uh, you know, I'm, I'm to that point where it's like, man, I feel like I'm on the precipice here. I, I, I want to be careful about getting too close to the edge and starting to run down the other side of the hill. Why? I don't want life to go by too fast. Think of that. A thousand years is as a day, and a day is as a thousand years. God is unaffected by time. Revelation paints a picture of the conquering Jesus, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords. Isaiah 46, 9, God says, I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. Not because of what he has done. How many of you know Jesus has done some pretty great things for you? God has done great things for you in your life. Do you know that? But the, when we say that he is worthy, it is not because of what he has done. It's because of who he is. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the eternal king, immortal, invisible, all-powerful. And that should cause you and I to say, God, you are worthy of honor. Well, next, we realize that our actions reflect honor to God. So if we agree that God is worthy, do you agree that God is worthy? Is there some agreement here that, that God is indeed worthy of honor? Amen? Amen? If we believe that, then the question is, how do we show it? And ultimately, we show it through our actions. Look at Revelation Chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. Here's some actions that we see of those that are before the throne. It says, The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, o our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. So for you and I today as Christ followers, there are lots of ways that our actions can bring 
honor to God. In this picture in Revelation, they fell down on their faces before him. They worshipped him. They took the crowns that had been given them as rewards and they laid them before him. This was an act of worship. They began to lift up their voices in worship to God. So let's look at a few ways that our actions can bring honor to God. The first one that I want to touch on is this. The way that we treat other people. I, I, it's, kinda, it's kind of unusual to, to think about this because I, I didn't know it, but uh, you remember back in the 90s, what would Jesus do? Do you remember that? Um, and I heard that there was, there, were, there was kids in a youth group that they were so smitten by this phrase, and here's the hard part to believe. That phrase actually was originally coined in 1890 in Topeka, Kansas. And, and it was a pastor that coined the phrase. So he said, what would Jesus do? So a hundred years later, kids in a youth group, they're studying this, and, and it strikes them so much that they decide we've got to have a reminder of that all the time. And so they designed a wristband that they could wear, and when they ever really got stuck, they could look at that wristband and say, okay, what would Jesus do? It was a reminder that their actions needed to exemplify Jesus and his actions. In 3 John chapter 1, verse 6, John says this. He says, please send them on their way in a manner that honors God. The way we treat other people honors God. Jesus said that all men would know that we are his disciples if we have love for each other. Within the family of God, God is honored when we treat others well. It reflects well on him. It gives him honor. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 31, it says, Whoever is kind to the needy honors God. So on Thursday, when we gather together and we serve food to 200 different families in our community, we are being kind to those who have need, and we are doing what? We are honoring God. Our actions honor God. The person that's interested in bringing honor to God will give up his resources to alleviate the suffering of those who are in need. And so if we believe that God is worthy, it's going to be seen in the way that we treat others. Number two, it's going to be seen in the way we worship. Revelation chapter 7 verse 12, it records another worship service that's going to be happening in heaven and it simply says, Amen! Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. There's many ways that we can worship God, but let's, let's talk just for briefly. I'm going to list just a few of the very direct ones. You know, the first thing that we can do is bow or kneel before him. Some churches incorporate that into every aspect of their worship. 
and you might go into a church and they have a kneeling bench and when they get there, they may kneel and genuflect in the aisle. Then they go to their seat and they bring down a kneeler and their position for worship is one of kneeling. Why do they do that? Because they want to remember that they are honoring and glorifying God even by their physical position. Now we have to be careful that it just doesn't become ritual or habit to us, but the idea of kneeling. Scripture says that one day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Right? Every knee will bow. So when we kneel, when we bow before him, we are demonstrating that we are honoring God. Now, there's other ways that we can honor him and worship him, some very direct ways. We can celebrate him. Some people might say, you know, this church is kind of, this church is crazy. They make a lot of noise, you know. There's people whooping and hollering during, during the music part. I want to appreciate the music, and people are going, woo! Have you ever, know, have you ever heard that before? You know, there's, I know who you are. I know who you are. I'm a voice person. You're like, woo! You know, that, that's, they, they're on the verge of getting seriously excited at that point. Are you, you know what I'm saying? But they're celebrating. When we, when we clap our hands at the end of a, a worship song, what are we doing? We are not applauding uh, those that are on the worship team. We're not applauding uh, great guitar playing or great drum playing or great keyboard playing. We are applauding the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's what we're doing. We're celebrating Him in the midst of our worship. We're shouting. We're clapping to Him. We're singing. Now, I realize we're here in the north, right? Okay, we're in the north. Some of you are studying, I'm convinced, for ventriloquism school. Because you're trying to sing without actually moving your lips. Okay? Because you think somehow that that's going to make you stand out or, 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 or somebody's going to watch you or, or, or something or you're just worried about doing it. And I did not go to the school of ventriloquism, okay? I didn't go there. I, I, my, there's, I'll tell you, my dad imprinted something on my life and that is throw your head back and sing loud. I'm, that's just how he taught me how to do it. And it didn't matter, friends. It doesn't matter what we were singing. If we were singing hymns, I, I'll tell you what, I can sing the hymns just as loud as anything else I can sing. Doesn't matter if it's a brand new song or an old song. I can sing it loud. Why? Because I, I want to worship him. I want to honor him. And so we can sing. Now we can also do something else that's a little unique. Uh, sometimes to Pentecostal churches, we can raise our hands. Okay? Man, we say, God, I, I'm so thankful, Lord, for all that you've done for me, right? Right? You know what I'm talking about? We raise our hands. Some of you are like, preacher, I'm getting uncomfortable right now, okay? Well, do you, I, I just need, I need you to know that, that there are people that have done studies, okay, on raising your hands. Uh, it's a comedian named Tim Hawkins, and so he talks about raising your hands, and, and, and there's different, they, they mean different things and they have different names. And so you have the, the little baby Jesus, you're holding baby Jesus, 
when you're raising your hands. And then you've got the, the, the big screen TV. And, and then you've got the really big screen TV. Do you know what I'm saying? And, and listen, if you've never seen it, go home, Google Tim Hawkins, and you're going to see, they're gonna, all, they've got, all got names, okay? But there's some biblical aspect here. It says, when we raise our hands in thanksgiving, but then it says, we really raise our hands in surrender to him. They're two different things. So when you see somebody that's just, man, they are reaching for the top shelf, okay? Or me, I'm reaching for the bottom shelf, but they're reaching. Man, they are, they are, they're surrendering and they're worshiping. But, but that doesn't mean that the person who's, who's worshiping and, and they're, they're, they're thanking God and they're right here, that doesn't mean that that's any less. But they're different. And we can do those. We can make music. We can rejoice. Scripture says, make a, make a joyful noise. And I know people, they're like, Pastor, that's what I do. I make a joyful noise to the Lord because I can't sing. I had a friend that he couldn't carry a tune. If you tied handles to it, he couldn't do it. And, and that guy, he said to me, he said, I want to sing a special with you. This is back in the days when we sang specials on Sunday. He said, I want to sing a special with you. I love this guy. He was a mentor to me. And I said, well, yeah, of course I will. And I knew this guy can't sing at all. This is going to be terrible. And I thought, I, but, but he, he means so much to me. I have to say yes. And he said, finally, he goes, okay, I figured it out. I know when we're going to sing together. And I'm like, wow, I can't wait for this. He said, Christmas Eve. <laughs> and he had one good idea. He said, pastor, you sing the verses. I'll sing the chorus with you. And he belted it out and he could not hit one note right. But I'm telling you, he was worshiping the Lord. If we believe that God is worthy of honor, it'll be seen in our worship. The third way is it's going to be seen the way we give back to him. You see, God is the, the very source of our existence. He's given us the breath of life. He's given us strength and ability. He's given us resource and opportunity. In other words, everything that we have comes from him. Proverbs 3.9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. We honor God when we acknowledge him as our source by giving back to him. And if we believe that God is worthy of honor, it's going to be seen in our giving. Number four, it's going to be seen in the way that we obey him. Now, there's a couple of different reasons for obedience. One is fear. Has anybody here ever obeyed out of fear? Have you? If, if you think you haven't, let me tell you, the next time a state trooper pulls in behind you, your speed lowers. Why? Fear. Okay? Fear. It's the truth. So one of the reasons that we obey is out of fear, but the other is out of love. Some of the Facebook responses that I got about what it means to honor God, they said it's to obey all the commands, to keep his commandments. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. Ezra chapter 10 and verse 11 says, Now honor the Lord, the God of your ancestors, and do his will. It's, I tell you what, it's hard for our culture to understand because we've been taught that it doesn't matter how you come to God. In fact, some people even will say, I believe that all ways lead to God. 
And friends, that is not what the Bible teaches us. And if we believe that God actually deserves honor, it's going to be seen in our obedience and our actions will reflect honor to God. Next week, we have to realize that we are not our own. You say, wait a minute, Pastor. We live in a free country and I am a free moral agent. Yes, you are, but you are not free from sin. You are free to choose whatever you want, but you are not free from sin. The Bible says that everyone sins and that everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Mankind was given a free will, but is being held in bondage to sin. Jesus came to set mankind free from that enslavement to sin. And the Bible says, he whom the Son sets free is what? Free indeed. Amen. That's what it says. We love that. When we're set free from sin, we are also, though, set free to something else. Are you with me? We're set free from sin, but we're set free to something else. In 1 Corinthians 6.20, Paul says, You were bought with a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. I found out something interesting this week, that in the first century, there were basically three ways that you could be espoused to another person. Okay, So as a man, there were three ways that you could be espoused to a, wife, a, a woman. And, and that, that, was, that was just to, to be betrothed. It wasn't even the act of wedding. But the first one was silver. You could buy your way. You ever, you ever, see, you ever see a guy and his wife and you're like, <laughs> he must have money. <laughs> right? You, you just know. You're just like, he's got to have money. Otherwise, if the playing field was level, never. Okay? <laughs> the, another way is, is by a written document. Okay, so two dads get together and they say, hey, and I love this idea. This is a great idea. Let's, let's, our kids are the same age. Our families are very similar. Let's just make a covenant to each other that they'll get married when they get older. I mean, that sounds totally logical to me, right? Except for the fact that I wouldn't be married to my wife because my dad would have picked a different person when I was a young man, right? But that was, that was common, okay? The, thir- the third way was not an honorable way, but if a man was found out to have slept with a woman, that would cause them to basically, through that violation of the law, they would then have to be married, okay? So Colossians tells us, in chapter 2, verse 14, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away by nailing, uh, by nailing it to the cross. Jesus paid the price for you and I. He fulfilled the legal documentation for our sin. Now, Jesus, what he did in essence is he betrothed himself to his bride. And he said, I I am going to take you as my bride. And when we think about that, we think of, well, Jesus died in order to make the church his bride. Actually, he died because she was his bride already. And he wanted to redeem her to himself. Because the 
all of humanity fell into sin and under the influence and the captivity of the prince of this world. So Jesus gave himself as a ransom and thereby making us obligated, the greatest of obligation to love him and to honor him when we accept that free gift of salvation. We're free from sin, but we are then free to become part of the bride of Christ. And then finally, it's got to be more than just words. It's got to be more than just words. I appreciated one of the answers that I got on social media about the question, what do you consider honoring God? What's your definition? And somebody said, you know what? It's walking the walk is far more important than talking the talk. In Isaiah 29, 13, the Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. People come close to God. What that really meant is the idea of going to the temple. They, they physically come near me. What does that mean for you and I? When we, when we come to church on Sunday, we are putting ourselves in the proximity of where God is. Not because of the building, okay? This building, and, I, and, and this building has served us very well, but this is just the building, okay? But the Bible says that where two or three are gathered together in Jesus, that his, he is literally, he's with us, okay? And so when we come together, we are, we are literally coming into the very presence of God because he's there. And what Isaiah was saying was that they profess to celebrate me, they profess to praise me, they profess to acknowledge me, but they withhold their heart far from me. One of the commentaries that I read this week talked about a man named Rabbi, Rabbi David Kimchi. And this particular rabbi is an expert in Hebrew grammar, and he said that the, the words come near to me that are translated come near, they have a double meaning. And the double meaning is really important for us to understand. And, and one of the meanings is this idea of religious acts, okay? Just, just religious act. We, we think by doing a religious act, we are coming near God but it doesn't really entail my heart. That's one of the meanings. The other one I think is really interesting, and it's the word afflicted. And I think sometimes, if we're not careful, we can fall into this. That the times in our life when we really want to honor God is when something bad happens in our lives. Now, I know this isn't true for everyone, and some of you have gone through some incredibly difficult things. And you were already with him. But it, it's, it really bears us looking at in our own lives. What does it take for me to really honor God? Does it take something tragic happening in my life to bring me to a place where then I want to honor him because I'm praying that God will alleviate this pain that I'm going through what is it that causes me to approach him? Is it, is it all just outward or is it inside? What is it that happens in my life? That is it, does it take distress? I, I, I remember one day sharing with someone that's very important in my life. And we came to the realization that the time that they really seek the Lord is when something very difficult happens to them. 
and I said, you know, the, the thing that I really want you to, to watch out in your life is if that's the only time that you really press into God and God wants you to press into him, then aren't you really kind of setting up a scenario where, where you may be dealing with things like this all the time? Because God desires you to press in all the time. If we believe that he deserves to be honored, it's got to be more than just words. And it can't just be when we go through struggles. Well, now, now I, need to, I really need to pursue God because I'm, I'm in a struggle. So do you believe that, that God is worthy of our honor? If we do, then... It needs to be reflected in our actions, the way we treat people, the way we worship, the way we give, the way we obey. Do we bristle at the fact that, that we're not our own, that we've been bought with a price? Are we convinced that, that God is, is just a way to ease our affliction? Have we allowed just the form of religion to take the place of truly honoring God in our lives? As we close this service today, I simply want us to just sort of kind of get back to the basics here this morning and just allow ourselves to take a moment to honor him. To allow ourselves to simply begin to worship him to forget the person that's next to us, to forget the person that's before us and behind us, to forget exactly what time it is, to forget where we've got to go this afternoon and, and maybe we've got to get groceries and we've got to do this and we've got to do that or we've got something exciting planned for today. Just forget all of those things. And whether you're out in the hub, maybe you're you're in the wiggle room or you're in the cafe or you're here in the sanctuary just to shut yourself in with God. And the worship team is going to lead us just for, just for a brief couple of moments here. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to open this altar. You see, the altar is a place of sacrifice. It's a place where we come and we set ourselves aside and we, we honor him with that sacrifice. And this morning, if you feel the call of the Holy Spirit on your heart as the team begins to lead us, I'm going to invite you wherever you are to just come and find a place to just worship him, to honor him, to let your heart draw near to him. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that as we close this service, as we begin to focus on you, as we begin to honor you, that we would sense and feel your Holy Spirit moving in us, drawing us,